Previously on Cast and Wax. It says, I am incredibly rich and incredibly dying. Signed, Diogenes Sinjin. Well, in that case, Mr. Sinjin, yes, I will gay marry you. Let's get the lovebirds together. Annie Italic Girl Reporter and Billy Baskerville, boy opinion columnist. The start of a newspaper dynasty. I spent my career working for Eldridge Kentwood. This project is to immortalize his work, and at the end of it, I'll bring his killers to justice. And even though he had formerly founded Alcoholics Anonymous, this gentleman named Bill became obsessed with getting people to shoot guns at each other in a magical secret room that teleported from building to building, only spending one hour attached to each building at a time before zapping to another building never to return again. I think I've learned a lesson here, boys. Yeah? My dad has terrible taste in women. They don't any of them taste very good, kid. Better get used to them. I keep getting the emails from this, you know, the source saying Rory has already done these, where are they now in histories, but they're they're not new. They're obviously, he recorded them before he died. I think you should look into it. I'm not going to look into it. Walking through the forest with you has been a dream. Seeing all the beauty in this world. Every bird and squirrel climbing trees and laughing, throwing rocks in the stream. But there's so much more we could do, girl Let's shoot up heroin and walk out in the sunshine Because happiness and sunbeams make me smile Run through the meadow twirling, having such a good time Welcome to Cast and Wax. I am uh, Jordan D. White, and that was a classic waxwork theme song. Why? Because it is hot, and I want to do as little as humanly possible in the hot, 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 hot room with not a lot of air conditioner, which is the room we record in. Isn't that correct, Frank? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is very hot in here. Um, there is one air conditioner, but it's very small, and it's not, it's not cool enough. No, no, it is not. Um, yeah, yeah, our big air conditioner broke, so we got a, a small one in there, but we're, we're doing our best, um, beating the heat any way we can. Scape is, uh, well, he's already asleep. Scape, wake up. What? 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 Scape, we're starting the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. I'm just sleeping because it's so hot. Is that your solution to heat? You just sleep through it? Yeah, yeah. Basically, because what you do is you just go, okay, uh, I'm going to close my eyes, and when I open them, it's going to be cool. And then if I open my eyes and it's not cool, I'm like... I'm going to try again, and I keep trying, until finally, eventually, it's dark and cool, and everything is good. That's, I think that's your solution to, like, most problems in life, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. That's how I get through everything. I'll just be like, hey, uh, I'm going to just go sleep until it's done. It's, it's almost sensible. It's, it's not the kind of advice I tend to give on my advice show, but uh, maybe I should. I don't know. It's probably wise. I don't know if it's really... Uh, well, okay. Let's let's just get into things. It's a, we got a jam-packed show. We got a lot of good stuff. We got three serials. We got another Waxwork one-on-one later. Uh, lots of really great stuff. And I want to get to it. We also have a ton of listener mail. Now, I, I pleaded for listener mail last time. I told everybody that, that you know, you can you can write in. You, you don't think that you can, but you actually can write in and, and drastically affect our lives. And uh, we, did, we, did, we got a bunch of listener mail. But I will tell I will tell you 
I want I want it from you. I want one from you. So please write into us at castandwax at gmail.com. So you didn't make up these ones this time? No, I don't. I only made up that one letter that one time last last uh, podcast. I don't usually make up the letters. These letters are not made up. All right, if you say so, you're the one who made up the letter. Yeah, but that was to prove a point. I don't know. I don't normally make up the letters and these ones are not made up. But um, well, anyway, here I guess let's get to the big one. Uh, because, you know, the, the first one is, is the most important one. Uh, my dear beloved Frank, that's you. Well, I mean, you're not my, I'm not your beloved. No, that's how the letter, okay, Frank, come on. That's how the letter starts. My dear beloved Frank, I have to take your comment to heart that indeed, it is not like I have sent you a ring. I would like to correct any doubts on your part immediately about the fervency of my gay love for you or the enormity of my bank account. Therefore, f- please find enclosed under separate postal cover perfectly functional engagement ring, a picture of a very beautiful and valuable wedding agreement, and a prenuptial agreement stipulating that once we are gay married, it will be all yours. We must hurry, though. I am very sick due to being on the brink of death and do not want to die before the wedding. I think we must have a very large public ceremony for all my friends and hangers-ons, mostly after my vast wealth, Uh, but I will let you choose the denomination that we are married in. Love. Diogenes Sinjin. So, Frank, he wrote back, he sent you, uh, well, he sent you a ring. It's not exactly the ring you asked for. No, I, I, I mean, Diogenes, I, I specifically told you the kind of ring I wanted. I said large diamond, large diamond, high caritude. I made up a word, caritude, high caritude, uh, 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 large diamond in the ring, at least one. You know, this is, I don't even know what this is. This, I mean, it's pink, first of all. I mean, the, the gem. If it is a gem, it's probably glass. I mean, it's metal of some sort holding it. I, like, this is not the kind of ring I asked for. Well, okay, no, but, fr- I mean, these papers seem to be in order, don't they? I mean, what does this say? This says that, uh, yeah, this, this is the agreement. I mean, it does, and it does seem to say that all of this, uh, all of his money, I mean, it specifies that he's got a lot of money, and it specifies that it will be yours by rights when you marry him. Yeah, but it's got a, and there's a prenup, and I don't know all this legalese, or something about... You know, divorce. I, I don't know. I don't know these words. Like, I, I don't know how these things work. I need to talk to my lawyer about it. You know, we'll have to figure all this stuff out. It, it's it's complicated. All I know is I asked for a very specific ring, Mr. Sinjin, a very, very specific uh, description, and you didn't match it. And now I'm having second thoughts again. I had committed, I had committed to it, and now I'm sort of on the fence. Well, th- I mean, that's silly. Look, uh, you asked for a very specific ring. You didn't get it. But... Once you're married, you can buy yourself whatever ring you want. Yeah, I get all of that, but I, it was, you know, it was like an understanding. I said, I will marry you. All you have to do is buy me this ring. Very specific. I get to keep it no matter what, et cetera, et cetera. And you, you know, what, what I end up with is this, you know, I mean, again, it's pretty, but it's not, it's just, it's just barely functional. Like he says, it just, it, it serves the purpose, but, and I can say, look, I'm engaged now, but I, I mean, who's going to be, who's going to be, nobody's going to ooh over this ring. Nobody's going to go, oh, look at that. Like, you wanted them to? No, I mean, not, I mean, you're right, not necessarily, but I'm just saying I wanted a ring that, I wanted a ring such that if I was a woman, people would ooh. Because that way, it's worth a lot of money. Right, and so this one you don't think is worth that much? No, probably not. I'd look, I mean, I mean, it's the thought that counts, but at the same time, why didn't you have the thought to give me exactly what I wanted, which is what I prefer, exactly what I want? Well, who doesn't? Right. So if this is a, if this is a precursor of things to come, where I am not getting what I want in this marriage, your money, 
I then I'm I'm very displeased. Or I mean, it's a it's it's a negative beginning. Well, uh, Frank, we actually do have another letter about uh, your wedding, not from Mr. Sinjin, but uh, someone a listener wrote in about it. Oh, really? Yeah. Why don't you uh, Why don't you give it a read? Uh, fine, uh, dear Frank. I was interested to hear you talk uh, through your dilemma about gay sex with your husband-to-be on the last podcast. It was very surprising to learn that your problem is with the concept of selling your body. Because I really didn't think you had a problem with that part of it. You sold your body for sex before. What? When? To Thomas Alva Edison and Mrs. Edison. Oh, yeah, I did. Uh, really, I thought your problem would be with the physical act of sex with another man, which I thought would turn you off sexually and possibly be painful. Anyway, I'm glad you chose to marry Diogenes uh, if the only thing holding you back was feeling like a prostitute, because that's obviously not that big a deal for you. Congratulations on your engagement and your impending nuptials. Sincerely, Alphonse Edoniah. Okay, look, yes, I did sell my body one time, but I was not aware of it. You know, it was, it was, I mean, I did, first, I didn't sell it, I rented it, and second of all, it was, it was, I was not, I didn't, I don't remember it. I don't remember the experience well. Uh, I know what happened. I know I was used to have sex with Rory's mother, uh, well, one of them, but I, uh, you know, I didn't, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not typically a pro, okay, look, Everybody has a price. We 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 just we discussed this. Everybody has a price, and mine is a lot of money, and this is a lot of money, and that was a lot of money. They're both a lot of money. That that one got me. I mean, if you want to look at that as an example, that's a that's a that's a check in the pro column because I did that, and I ended up with my own internationally syndicated hit show. So that was a success, right? So so you might as well. Yeah, I mean that's what it seems to be indicating. Yes. So I mean this is a lot of money too, Diogenes. Well, okay, but the problem is now, okay, I will probably remember the sex that I would have with Diogenes, and you're right, I don't have any interest in sex with another man. It does not turn me on, and I didn't think about it being painful. I mean, why would it be painful? Well, I mean, two two reasons. First of all, whenever he describes it, he talks about it being, like, very rough, violent gay sex. Well, yeah, but I, I mean, I'm assuming he means me being rough with him. Why would you assume that? Oh, because I mean, I'm because I mean, I'm not gonna wait. Oh, yeah, because of what? I, I, are you suggesting that maybe he wants me to be the the bottom? I, the, I, I, how should I know? It's not my relationship. I assume you guys have worked this out. No, I haven't talked about it at all. I, I, I had assumed that I was the top because I'm the one who, well, because I'm me, and I know that I only have sex with women typically. So if I'm gonna have sex with a man, I'm gonna be pretending it's a woman. Well, that's, I mean, that's not. Ideal for anyone. It's ideal for me. That's well, not ideal. I mean, ideal would well, be yeah. Ideal would be sex with a woman. Right, right. Right. But what I'm saying is, you're so wait. So you're you're suggesting that maybe he means him having rough sex with me, me taking the punishment, so to speak, me getting had. Yeah, I mean that that could be painful. Well, yeah, I mean yeah, that could be painful. I just I I was I had not even considered that as an option. Well, you you might have to consider that as an option. I I won't. What do you mean you won't? I okay. Look. If I I mean who says we even have to have sex? Well, you do have that's consummating the marriage. You do have to have sex. If he dies before we have sex. That's very unlikely. He's very excited for the sex. Okay. Well, that's that's true. All right. Um let me say this. If I have sex with him, it's going to be me sexing him. But I'm not I'm not doing the other one. You know, I I escape. I think I need you to wake up. Yeah, what? I uh I I said it was really hot and it is and um uh even so, 
the the subject is making me want to uh, want to just break out my uke for just a second. Are you ready, Scape? I'm, I'm, I'm ready. What, what are you doing? Uh, just just one second. Okay, that that was wholly inappropriate. I think that was actually wholly appropriate because we were literally talking about you guarding your asshole. Uh, yes, but I don't think we needed a song about need. It. Who needs needs are we only the only real needs are like for food and shelter and water. Uh, speaking of which, Dad, I do need some rest food. Uh, well, after the maybe after the show. Okay, I'm just gonna sleep until the Well, let's get, no, but my point is that that you didn't need to sing that song. That was that was inappropriate. It was vulgar. Well, it was pretty vulgar. I wasn't expecting Scape to drop an F bomb in there. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, yeah, it was. It was vulgar. So I it was, and you didn't. I didn't. I don't. I didn't appreciate it. How about that? Oh, I'm sorry, Frank. Did I hurt your feelings? Well, I'm. I mean, no, but I, it's because I'm robust. <laughs> That's one way to describe you. Okay, let's move on. Uh, that was some good letters. Thank you for writing in to us. We do have a whole bunch of other letters that are uh, a little bit less to do with your um, love life. But I, although here's one, actually, here is one that, that is sort of related. Uh, Dear podcast, I tuned into Cast and Wanks with great expectations after hearing it plugged <laughs> on an old episode of watch however there seems to be no porn and virtually nothing to wank to at all except for that cat who starred in the cat's hole series of videos what gives paul ormond well paul i got a, a few things for you first of all uh you have the wrong podcast that's cast in wanks is what you wrote in your podcast we're on cast in wax what probably happened if you if my theory anyways that you typed in cast space in space w a in itunes or in google and um, it auto-corrected, you know? Uh, let, let, me, let me try that. Let me, let me try going to Google, and I'll type in cast in wa. Okay, well, uh, I get cast in warm bodies, cast in wagon wheel video, <laughs> cast in walking dead, and cast in water. I, I, I want to know about cast in wagon wheel video. Well, it doesn't matter. The point is, something like that must have happened, and you, you got to our podcast. We also were, were linked to by... Watch, as you just heard, we sang Apple Watch. We we have a we have a segment called Apple Watch, and we had a run in with Marcel Silvers of the of the the podcast from Pornco. Um, so and Frank has been on it, right, Frank? Um, yeah, I have, and has been invited back. But uh, so that's probably what happened. Uh, second, though, let me let me say, uh, in regards to nothing to m masturbate to. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about masturbating. Hopefully, this one had a little something because Frank was talking a little graphically. No, okay, about no, that's not. I don't. I just. I'm not. I'm not describing my sex life graphically, and also everything was theoretical. Yeah, but it was theoretical. You getting it up the? No, 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 no. That in fact, theoretically and in practice, that is th both of those things. It is not happening. Well, theoretically, it is. No, the theoretically, because we had to say the that theoretically that would be painful. So in order to have that idea that it would be painful we had to theorize on no, the subject no that's but yes but e even when i'm talking about whether that will happen emphatically no is the answer it will not happen so that is never going to happen i'm not going to be 
Diogenes don't get any ideas because that's not, I'm not going to do that. At any rate, like I said, Paul, there, there's there's all sorts of masturbating you could be doing right now, listening to this. I mean, in a way, this is kind of like a little bit of reluctance play. No, this is not play. I'm not playing. I'm I'm deadly serious. Oh, deadly serious. Deadly serious. So you'll you'll die. Well, no, hopefully he'll die, but not because of me. I mean, I'm not going to kill him, but. You know, I'm hoping, yeah, he'll die before it becomes an issue. That's very sensitive of you, Frank. Well, this is a sensitive topic. I was being sarcastic. Well, I wasn't. It is a sensitive topic. I'm very sensitive to it. Jeez. Oh, All right. Um, got more things. More things. Uh, let's get to a letter from me. Um, I haven't uh, uh, gotten a letter in a while. Uh, this one says it's from me. Frank, why don't you give it a read? Sure. Uh, Dear Mr. White, it has come to my attention that you've been accepting charitable donations without registering yourself as a charitable organization. I wanted to take the opportunity to give you a chance to correct this oversight. As you know, it is very important that everything be above board with charitable concerns. Please send in your registration forms and any checks you may have received so far so that we can allocate the funds properly. Thank you. Uh, Major Cindy Fanshaw, Charitable Association Serving Kindliness. Uh, oh, gosh. You know, I mean, is that true? I mean, do we really have to do this? I, okay, 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 okay. Let's, let's go through this um, point by point. Just in that, uh, in that, yes, we have created some charitable organizations that are not actually charitable organizations, but we're, we don't mean in the actual literal sense of charitable. What do you mean? Well, like, you know, it's just kind of the casual, like, oh, charity is is another word for helping people, and we're just going to take this money and use it to help people. So, yeah, we're not a, you know, legal organization. We're not a, a, a tax-deductible organization, but we're just, we're going to use some money to help out. Hey, do you want to kick in some money to help out? Okay, cool. You know, that's a very kind act of charity of non-legal, non-tax-deductible charity that you're doing. Um, that being said, I mean, I don't know if we're actually running any of them right now. Uh, Frank, are we are We still got any of them going? Um, not that I know of. I, there was, we, we, there were various ones um, um, at different points. Uh, there was one where Cheryl got kidnapped. I know I was, I, I served on the board of that one for a while. Oh, did you? I didn't, I didn't remember that that was you. I thought that no, was. No, no, I, I eventually I did. When I came back, look, uh, various things happen. There, there, there have been a bunch of, of, of charities and we've had some more recently than that too. But I mean, if you're saying that they're not official, actual legal organizations. No, no, I mean, not necessarily. They, they, the, you know, it, it's just, it's just like, Hey, you want to help out? You want to kick in some money? Okay. Um, so you're not going to register them? No, I, I mean, I don't think we need to. Uh, Miss Fanshawe, I, I don't think we've broken any laws. If we have, I guess we can give the money back, but we haven't really gotten that much money. I mean, we've gotten some, right? Well, yeah, definitely. There were some when I was running those places. Oh, okay. Well, I don't think, I don't, I mean, I don't think we're actually doing anything illegal, but let me know, you know, hey, if we are, we are. And um, I guess Frank was on the board, so he would probably be responsible for I, that. What? How does that work? I, all I pretty much have done is just kind of said, hey, we should do something about that we'll call it and then I give it a name like I, I don't really do any of the behind the scenes work any anything else that happens beyond there is, is up to you I think no I don't that's not fair at all that's not fair at all look whatever your name was captain major whatever uh, thank you for writing into us uh, it's Jordan's deal no 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 it's not my deal look we're not gonna fine so then if it's, if it's my deal we have no organizations we are not accepting any donations we're not charitable so I'm sorry to have miscommunicated at any point in the past uh, whatever uh we got another letter for you. Um, we got. I mean, there's been a lot of letters for you. All right, um, dear Mr. Allen. I mean, it's I guess it's because you're getting married. Well, I haven't decided. You, you're gonna. You know, you're gonna do it. You're gonna try to get another show out of it. That is true. I could try to get another show. All right, I'll do it. I'll marry him. See, I knew. Yeah. Anyway, uh, dear Mr. Allen, I'm so glad I finally found a way to contact you. Everyone thinks a super rich Hollywood movie producer can get in touch with anyone. 
but that's simply not always true. Anyway, I loved your performance as the character of Ryan Reynolds in the movie Chaos Theory. As soon as I saw it, I rushed to read the cast list and see who you were. I would like to sign you to a lucrative movie deal. What do you say? Sincerely, Sterling Balboa, Hollywood producer. Uh, Mr. Balboa, you, uh, I think you misunderstood. Ryan Reynolds is the name of the actor in that movie. Whoa, 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 and he was playing whoa, whoa, whoa. a character named Frank what? Allen. I haven't seen that movie. Jordan, somebody what? wrote into about that before. What are you doing? I'm, well, I'm correcting him. I mean, we, we, somebody wrote into us about this before. Let me see. I, I can find it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here, here. I got a letter here from uh, Jess Delaney. Dear, dear Frank Allen, you are kind of a dick, and I was pleased to see the turn your life has taken when I watched your film Chaos Theory. Um, way to go. Well, that, that's not that. But that's... And then and we and we looked at the Wikipedia page and we saw that there was a uh, a character in the film Chaos Theory whose name is Frank Allen. It's about a guy named Frank Allen, not you, and it's played by Ryan Reynolds, who is a very famous actor. And to be honest with you, Mr. Balboa, I'm sort of surprised you've never heard of Ryan Reynolds because he's pretty famous. He played Deadpool. He played um a uh, uh, Green Lantern. He. He wanted to play The Flash. Wait, so he just does comic book movies? No, he does other stuff, too. He's been in a lot of movies. He's very famous. Uh, oh, he, you know what? He was in Blade 3. That's another comic book yeah, movie. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But he's been in a bunch of movies. Uh, my point was, he's very famous. It's sort of surprising that you've never heard of him. But uh, at any rate, so that's that's your mistake. It's not Frank you want to sign to a contract. It's Ryan Reynolds, and he's probably already got one. Yeah, but Jordan, I could have gotten that contract. Mm. No, Frank, he would have noticed when he when you showed up to sign it that you weren't the incredibly good-looking guy that he saw in the movie and were, in fact, only you. Well, that's not a very nice thing to say. That you're not Ryan Reynolds? It's a fact. It's not a, It's not an opinion-based thing. Well, yeah, but you colored it with the good-looking stuff. Yeah, th- okay, sure. But, you, but you're, the point is that you're not Ryan Reynolds, and everybody knows that you're not Ryan Reynolds, and for you to sign yourself to a... Di- what? I'm talking to a guy who's marrying a rich, gay, sickly man for money. I, I don't know why I'm surprised that you'd be unscrupulous, but you're, you can't sign a contract because someone misunderstands and thinks that you're Ryan Reynolds. That's not appropriate. <sighs> Come on. Well, whatever. Here, I've got another letter to read to you, so let's just get this done. Um, dear Mr. Allen... Oh, it's got a box here. Uh, Dear Mr. Allen, I'm so so sorry to hear of your recent illness. I understand that must be the reason our business venture has not yet managed to get off his feet. Uh, Please take as much time as you need to recover your strength. As a token of my good wishes, please accept the caviar I'm sending. Your friend, Andy the Hookworm. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I'm sorry. I haven't heard from you in so long. I kind of forgot about that. I got caught up in this wedding stuff. Uh, what happened to... I thought Ted was the one I was dealing... I mean, well, I've been talking to you since Ted hired... Well, at any rate, I haven't heard anything from you in so long. I kind of figured this deal was off. Um, caviar. I mean, I do like caviar. Um, you know, Frank, I'm just thinking right now... Yeah? That if you're that concerned with money, you probably should just sell the caviar. It's it's very expensive. Well, I mean, I... I guess I could do that. I, well, I'm just saying, I, I mean, you, you're going to get married. Oh, you know what I should do? I should sell it to Diogenes so that he can have it at our wedding. So you're going to sell him a little jar of caviar and then serve it at your wedding? Yeah, I guess that is a little weird. Oh, ah. Oh, you know what I can do? I can send him, I can send this jar of caviar to Diogenes. That way, it'll look like I got him an expensive gift, but really... I didn't. I got it, obviously, from here. But it's it looks like I, I scrimped and saved, and I, I got all this money. And um, then he'll feel guilty about... I mean, again, this ring is nice, but it's not all that I wanted. Maybe he'll feel guilty about it, and he'll get me the ring I wanted. Well, I, that, I guess that would work, except that he's going to hear the podcast. Ah. Uh, hmm. 
Okay, well, Diogenes, okay, yeah, you're right. Diogenes is going to hear this, I guess, and he, well, I talked a lot about wanting his money, which is true. So, but he knew, you know, he knew that. He knew that. Uh, Diogenes, I'm not going to have gay sex with you, but uh, to make up for it, here's a little gift from me to you. Obviously, as Jordan pointed out, I could sell this caviar for a lot of money, but the relationship that we're fostering means a lot to me, uh, so I'm going to send it to you. Uh, I will uh, pack it back up and put a little label on it, send it straight to you. Hopefully, you will enjoy it. Uh, I know you have rich, expensive tastes. Caviar fits right in with that, so it's a gift uh, from me to you. Please eat it in good health. Well, I mean, you you can't because you're not in good health, but eat it in good time. Eat it, is what I'm saying. And think of me and our upcoming nuptials and how you don't get to put yours in in mine. I get to put mine in yours. All right. That's fun. Uh, anyway, uh, one last email for our uh, emails. Uh, again, send them in to us at castandwax at gmail.com. This one is about our late great friend, Roy Sinjin. Uh, Frank, do you want to read it for me? Yeah, sure. Uh, dear Mr. White, first, let me say that I'm really enjoying your podcast. My friend, the ghost of H.P. Lovecraft, turned me on to it. Though I had missed the first several episodes by the time he was finished explaining it to me, I find what I have heard to be really well produced. However, one thing does concern me. It seems that recently you've been suggesting that your late friend Rory Sinjin used the technology of extra history to examine the many possible futures available and predict what would happen by choosing what was most likely. This seems to veer away from the established definition of extra history, uh, namely determining what was currently happening or had happened on alternate worlds, and into the realm of psychohistory, which I invented for my foundation novels back in the non-parallel 1940s. I hope you realize that if Rory really made his predictions using extra history, masquerading as psychohistory, then what he has done constitutes plagiarism. I am very protective of my intellectual property rights and will not allow that. I hope that I will not have to contact my lawyer. Personally, I strongly suspect some sort of fraud is involved and Rory is being impersonated. As he is dead and buried, there is no way he could be recording supernaturally appropriate announcements from beyond the grave. Best, the ghost of Isaac Asimov. All right, well, let, let, let me let me jump right into this. I, 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 I did read at least part of the first novel of Foundation at some point. I was supposed to read it for a book report. I definitely remember starting it. I don't remember finishing it. But I do remember this idea of psychohistory. I, I forgot the name of it until you just mentioned it. But I do remember this concept. Yes, it was it was all about using uh, uh, all of the, the past history to predict future history. Um, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, this is what Rory did. Uh, he calls it extra history. Well, he, I don't know if he calls it extra history. R realistically speaking, I remember back when, uh, before the election happened, um, before the election of Barack Obama, we were talking about the election, and he said, well, as a historian, I know how the election is going to turn out. So, he didn't say as an extra historian. He just said as a historian. So, it's possible that he just considers the future more of history, right? No. Well, again, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, it does, because from the future, earlier future is the past. Right. But he wasn't in the far future. He was in the present, and in fact, now the past, because he's dead. Right. I mm, Well, okay. I don't know what to tell you. I, all I know is I keep getting these uh, 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 files, and they keep telling me 
uh, that they were previously recorded and, um, that the, the, the file dates are, are recent because they've done small, tiny, uh, 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 audio correction tweaks. That's why they, um, they say, you know, saved most, most recently date changed and stuff. Um, but that Rory recorded them before he died. Uh, how, uh, how else is it possible that we know Rory's dead? So how else could it be that we're still getting new information from Rory? Well, again, I mean, there's a way to, to find out what look into it. We, you, you, we had talked about looking into it and you said you weren't gonna, you were gonna let it go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember that. Why did I say that? I, I don't know. It just, you, you all of a sudden felt very strongly that you didn't want to look into it. Well, I, that's really weird. Well, I do want to, okay, now I want to look into it. So, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm doing it right now. I am opening up an email and I'm sending it to the email that I get these uh, files from. Um, to whom it may concern. Uh, do not think that I don't appreciate that you are supplying me with uh, uh, Rory Sinjin's continued works of where are they now in history, comma. But I am afraid I must ask for more information about the... What, 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 what do I say? Uh, you need more information about uh, how they came to be in possession of those oh, yeah. materials. How it came to be in possession of those materials. Period. Um, Rory was a good friend of ours. And if he was a good friend of yours as well, we would be happy to get to know you and learn more about your relationship with our late friend. Um, please write to me at your nearest convenience. Love. Why, why are you putting love? Oh, yeah, well, okay. Um, regards. Uh, Jordan D. White. You want me to put Anne Frank Allen? Uh, yeah, okay, go ahead. And Frank Allen. Send. So, okay, hopefully hopefully we'll learn something about this then. I hope so too. All right. Well, let's uh let's get to it and um we've got three all new shows. I mean, all new episodes of shows. Uh for, first up, we've got Annie Italic, Girl Reporter. Uh, you know that show in which Annie Italic reports things, and she is, of course, a girl. Right. Um, we've then got another episode of Kentwood. Uh, last time we found out that, that uh, Professor Kentwood was murdered. Hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about that this time. And then also we have a lesson from the life of Nathan Van Etten. We're getting pretty close to the end of that series, so everyone should uh, be held dear to your heart, because we're we're not going to have too many left. So let's jump right in. Uh, actually, we, we also have Where Are They Now in Histories and, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, This Day in Histories. So let's kick things off with that, and then we'll come right back. Enjoy! 
Hello and welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name's Rory Sinjin. On June 24th, 1953, Jacqueline Bouvier and Massachusetts Senator John F. Kennedy publicly announced their engagement. Kennedy went on to become the 35th president and Jackie became one of the most popular first ladies ever to grace the White House. Jackie, I think you should marry me. All my friends agree with me. It's definitely the best idea. Haven't you ever heard them telling you to marry me? Well, I don't know, darling. I'm, I'm not really ready. <laughs> Bill, tell Jackie I'm the man for her. Jackie? He's the man for you. You too, Ralph. Tell Jackie I'm the man that she should marry. Well, Jackie, you shouldn't give in to peer pressure, but you should marry Jack. I really just don't think I'm ready, gentlemen. Well, too bad. I put the ring on your finger while you weren't looking. Ha ha ha. Now it's a contract. <laughs> that Wait, doesn't mean hold, we're married. I... Hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you a robot? You're not really Jack Kennedy, are you? Actually, I am. My voice fools a lot of people. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Just as I thought, a robot, the real JFK, would never try and pressure others based on the opinions of his friends. Well, good thing I waited. That could have been painful. Yeah, wow. But wait a minute. Where's John? Windows error number four. Please consult tech manual. Uh, Later in the day, when she found the real John F. Kennedy, Jacqueline was so pleased that she married him on the spot right then and there. But it's all right, because that wasn't because of peer pressure. Make sure that you, like Jackie, do not give in to peer pressure and make important life-changing decisions for your own self. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But, ick benign person with more information about that. My name's Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Casting Rack. And you will never believe what happened to JFK on their wedding day. He was walking through the church, and he noticed a door that he'd never seen before. So he went through the door, saying, how could this door exist? And he went into a room that didn't seem like it was possible. And there was a man. He said, my name is Bill. I found it Alcoholics Anonymous, but that's not important right now. You pick up that gun, I pick up this gun, we shoot each other. And JFK said, ah, that, you know, getting shot is something I'm very much not in favor of, so I, I don't think I want to do that. And Bill said, but everyone wants you to. And JFK said, who do you mean everyone? And he said, everyone, look, there's a camera over there, and everyone's watching, and then he turned on a monitor, and there was lots of people going, JFK, you should shoot this guy, because we all said so. And JFK said, no, you know, listen, just because everybody wants me to do something doesn't mean I'm going to do it. So Bill said, all right, you've beaten me, you've stood up to peer pressure, and that was the right thing to do, but I'm still pissed off because I wanted you to do what I wanted you to do, so I'm going to shoot my gun, bang, and he shot the gun. And JFK said, well, it didn't hit me, and he said, yes, it did. It's a time bullet, and it will hit you in the future. At some time in the future, you will get shot, and hopefully no innocent person will ever get accidentally blamed for it. Anyway, my name is Roy Sinjin and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Annie Italic, Girl Reporter, Episode 8, Wolfberry Crunch, by Daniel Schwartz, Charles Berman, and Pete Bowers. Dateline Thopsburg, from the desk of Annie Italic, Girl Reporter, high atop Henderson Towers in Center City, in her office of the Thorpsburg Ledger Star Bulletin Journal, we bring you the news of the world. Commissioned by seasoned newspaper editor Eugene Seabrook, Annie Italic tracks the most thrilling events of our day with the determination of a bloodhound, poised notebook in hand for the moment of her big break. One of the things you come to notice after a while about being a reporter is that you're always pointing out things about what it's like to be a reporter. Or maybe that's just me. Anyway, this one time, I was in the newspaper office. I was doing something that always seems necessary but never turns out rewarding. Being at work. And trying to explain something to Susie. So, sometimes... When a man and a woman love each other very much... Oh, are you talking about sex? Actually, I was thinking of 
prenuptial agreements, but they usually go together, yeah. Oh, I figured that out a long time ago. Several months. That's how I became such a good reporter, which involves finding things out also. So you did a news report about sex? But I found out most people knew about it already. For some reason, nobody ever wanted to explain it to me without squirming and leaving. Except for you. That was nicer than everyone else. Oh, well, yeah. Don't mention it. I won't next time, Manny, I tell a girl reporter. Even though your report was wrong. I have a list of sources for times people have had sex when they didn't love each other very much. It's in my filing cabinet in my newspaper office under... Annie, what are you doing chatting with another reporter when you could be conferencing with members of our staff? What do you mean I wasn't conferencing with a member of our staff? Sorry, they look the same. Anywho, I don't want to interrupt your conference. Get back to it. Tomorrow. But first, I have a menial story for you to report on. Show our cub reporter the ropes. Teach him the square knots and such. And how you turn these menial assignments into something interesting so they can be made boring again. Gene, I never knew you were so self-aware. I never really thought about it. Anyway, his name is John Impact. On his way now. You're doing a report on the stripper who keeps showing up every month at Logan Park. He's about due. And this month, it coincides with a big festival. That's not boring. Then make it that way! Susie, you'll be doing something interesting. It's the dark side eviscerator case again. This time, make the emphasis less on the fact that murder exists. You got it, Eugene Seabrook newspaper editor. Murder doesn't exist. Exactly! No, wait. Exactly! Ah, here he is, fresh from wrestling bears or something. Annie and Susie, meet John Impact, man reporter! Hey. So handsome. Thanks. I mean, what are you, like, I mean... Hi, I'm Susie Sanserif, younger girl reporter. Then her, Annie Italic girl reporter. You're dreamier than Billy Baskerville was, or her boyfriend. He's just weird. I have to go report on the murderer, but not murder, because that's what my boss says. Goodbye. Nice kid. Yeah. So, Annie Italic, big fan. How big? Seven? Eight and a half? Ten. <laughs> so, streaker in the park. Yeah, let's go. Every year, Thorpsburg throws a big Loganberry festival in Logan Park to celebrate Loganberries or something. For some reason, they have some kind of jelly or jam or something. There's a relay race. And apparently this year, there is a stripper. Or a streaker or something. You know, I actually won the Logan's Run a few years ago. Oh, I hated that movie. High-end concept and no realization. Okay, while I agree, I'm at the relay race. See, everybody takes some Logan berries. Look, I don't even care. Logan berries are the only thing worse than Logan's Run. Sorry. Just... Cross. You're not from around here, are you? Look, I said I'm sorry. Look, it's a serious question. Only lived here a few years. You follow the work. But I can tell you guys really love the Loganberries. Well, my dad always took me here. Feels more like home than my old place does now. They bulldoze it. Wow, that's... Look, the Loganberry snowman! That's just too much. Yeah, I don't know why we do that either. Oh, goodness! Oh, my stars and garters! Oh, dear. Oh, my land. How shocking. I'm shocked. What is it, ma'am? What is it? What is it? Can't you see? 
I'm standing here telling you how shocked I am. Oh, gracious! Oh, Jiminy Christmas, how shocked I am. Okay, what shocked you? The streaker? No, a naked man! Yeah, you mean Totally naked! No clothes on at all! It was an outrage! I tell you, he was undressed! There was a man completely in the nude! Okay, perhaps you'd like to tell us... No! I'm going to go lodge a complaint about that shocking man without the clothes on! Outrageous! Wait! That's one of the reasons that we're here at the Loganberry Festival. Crap. Okay, Annie Italic, Rope Shower, what do we do now? Well, we came from that way, and there was nothing happening. Then something came from that way, so we're going that way. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me, God! Yeah? Annie Italic, from the Legistar Bulletin Journal. I was wondering if you could show me to the head of this Loganberry Festival. I'm doing the story on... Hold on, on. just hold it. Hold it one minute. You think you could just waltz up here and ask me to see the head of the Loganberry Festival? Uh, apparently so. Can I? Well, no. No, you can't. The head of the Loganberry Festival is very important. He's... He's the head of a whole Loganberry festival. It's very important. Full of Loganberries. He can't just be bothered at any time. Okay, I get it. Thanks. Wow. What a jerk. I can't believe the head of the Loganberry festival would be so stuck up about Oh, the... you mean Lou, my dad's friend. He's over here, judging the Loganberry tasting. I'll show you. So, you know this guy already? And you just let me... Hey, it was kind of funny. Notwithstanding... Delicious. Definitely a Loganberry. Mmm, mmm, yum. Also a Loganberry. Mmm, mmm, mmm. This one is equally a Loganberry. Oh, hi, John. Hi, Lou. How's Marianne? Not a Loganberry, and therefore beneath my notice this week. Who's your lovely friend? Annie Italic, reporter for the Legistar Bulletin. Of Jam. course, of course. You must be here to cover the festival. Remember, that's Lou with one L and one O U. Allow me to regale you with the long and storied history of the Loganberry. It all began. Actually, I was wondering if you could tell me about the streaker you have running around here. Not a Loganberry, and therefore beneath my notice this week. The Loganberry, incidentally. Hey, this is an elderberry. By no means a Loganberry. Guard, take this man away and cut off his hand. Now, what was I explaining to your lovely friend? Ah, yes. My one interest, the Loganberry. Now, Loganberries, you see... No, a man running around naked could get all sorts of... things... all over your Loganberries and ruin the publicity for your festival. Guards! Find a naked man running around. Search out the forest. Burn it if need be. Hasn't this guy been coming every month? Yeah, but this is the first time it's coincided with my Loganberry festival. I'll have his hands in my Logan barrel. We have a Logan barrel? It's traditional. Sorry. Right. You're new. Okay, thanks. We searched the woods for hours that weren't particularly interesting to recount. Nothing much happened till we went over to the running track and saw a naked guy running around and screaming. Oh, hey there. Pretty good bet I'd say that's the naked guy. He'd better be after those three clothed guys we caught. Logan Barrel's getting pretty full, I'll tell you. Hey, calm down, buddy. What are you screaming about? <laughs> sorry. Not used to having arms and legs like this. Huh? I said sorry. Not used to having arms and legs like this. Okay, we can explain this later. Why are you running around naked? Well, full moon. 
This time of month is really hard for me. What, are you a werewolf or something? Ha! No! Do I look like a wolf right now? I'm just a regular wolf who turns into a guy every month. Well, sometimes twice in a month, but only once in a blue moon. Get out of here. I've been trying, but everywhere I go, people keep waving these damn Logan berries in my face. Well, of course they are, you crazy lycanthrope. The only cure for Guy syndrome is a tincture of essence of Loganberry, such as I am even now carrying on my person. Is this like the Man Bites Wolf case that happened a few years ago? Yeah, that was news. Can I just have that in the tincture? I gotta get back to the pack. And I hate being a human. My toenails are so small and this ability to talk is getting on my nerves. Here you go. Thanks! <clears throat> ah, Loganberries taste awful! So, we solved the mystery of the naked guy running around. But I guess we should have known better than to let a wild wolf loose in the Loganberry Festival. Though the survivors say they're planning another one for next year. And they awarded me the Logan Barrel, which was a nice gesture, but disgusting. And a snake bite for me. And it was full of severed hands. Blech! Gee, that's almost interesting enough to be a story on its own. Eh, you'd take it all out. And Lou is friends with the mayor. Can't contradict you there. So, what about this John Impact Man reporter? Gay... Like most of the men I'm attracted to, he was really upset we turned that guy back into a wolf. Really? Yeah, I figured you knew. He kept hitting on me until I made it clear I wasn't interested. But he's very pushy. You don't say! What are you planning there, honey? Oh, you know, nothing. In that episode of Annie Italic Girl Reporter, the announcer was Mickey Weissner, Annie Italic was Angela Schwartz, Susie Sanserif was Cheryl Casey, Eugene Seabrook was Jer Coonrat, John Impact was Ed Jones, Shocked Workman was Wendy Casey, Guard was Freddie Castelli, Lou was Daniel Schwartz, and Wear Guy was Jordan Randall. Hello and welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Rory Sinjin. On July 1st, 1941, NBC broadcast the first TV commercial to be sanctioned by the Federal Communications Commission during a Dodgers-Phillies game. The FCC began licensing commercial television stations in May 1941, granting the first license to NBC. I love owning the Brooklyn Dodgers in the 1940s. Now, Mr. Robinson, why is it that you're applying for a part on this team? Well, I figure I could do a- Shut up! You can sell ads. Whoa! Whoa, simmer down. Glad that I got here in time. It's me, your friend, the FCC. Hi, FCC. Can you Hi. help me out? There's Why a... do you keep talking over this, this nice young to... man? I like baseball. Shut I... up, Robinson. Oh. All right. There is Whoa. a black man in my office. What should I do with him? <laughs> hey, I have I feelings. I like but... the cut oh. of your jib there, rich person. The FCC loves everyone. If I could just say my piece. You may. The, the FCC okay. will give you your right to speak. Please. Oh. All right. 
I can understand. That's very interesting. All right. I can see what you're saying, but I have to tell you, it's wrong to persecute ethnicities. Because in addition to being federal, I'm also futuristic. The F has a double meaning. And I can look into the future and tell you that Jackie Robinson will make you a lot of money. So stop discriminating. will? Will you help me sell advertising, Jackie Robinson, and maybe eventually become a civil rights hero and bring me lots of ad space? Only with my approval, he will. I think we can all strike a deal. Shut up, Robinson. Yes, Robinson, you talk too much. Let's go into the other room and decide this in his absence. Sure. Shake hands. Yes, the uh, civil rights movement was having a hard time of it at the beginning, as even those speaking on behalf of other ethnicities were heartless bigots. But now in the future, we understand that you shouldn't discriminate against people for ethnicity or race or anything like that, and you should um, pretty much accept everyone for what they are. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But shut up, Robinson. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Gas and Wax. And when the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers and the head of the FCC stepped into the next room, they didn't realize they were stepping into the secret moving room belonging to Bill, founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, who was now a mystic. Bill, seeing two people walk into his room, said, Oh, this is a change. Two people at once. Well, let's see what we can do with this. Mr. Brooklyn Dodger owner, grab that gun there. Mr. FCC, grab that gun over there. What you're going to do is point the guns at each other and fire on the count of three. The two men readily agreed and immediately picked up the guns and pointed them. Bill counted one, two, three, fire! And they fired. Now, I could tell you what happened. I could tell you which of them lived and which of them died, but suffice it to say that one should never discriminate against someone because of their ethnicity or the color of their skin. Both of these men did that to some degree or other, and that probably factored into what happened to them in the secret room, but enough about that. Let me just emphasize once again, we really shouldn't discriminate based on color or creed or sex or sexual preference or anything like that. My name is Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Casting Wax. Kentwood, Episode 2, Tricks of the Trade, by Jacob Thompson. Eldridge Kentwood was never an ordinary college professor, so there were many aspects of his career that puzzled lesser men. They wondered why he had so few graduate students, and how he got away with his allegedly eccentric behavior. This episode, which took place many years ago, will hopefully illuminate some of these points. As our story begins he did something that became ever rarer as the years went by. He met with a graduate student. You haven't convinced me, Dr. Kentwood. I in no way need to convince you, you self-entitled reprobate. I would be ever so happy to never sign your thesis and send you straight to minimum wage purgatory where you belong. I shouldn't have to go to this party. The girl, what's her name, is your student. I don't want to go to a frat house and I don't understand why she would want to study there. Rumor has it that you are amongst the most physically attractive graduate students, and that Layla Lawler is, to put matters crudely, a painted harlot. Well, it is natural for a man of my intellect to devise elaborate traps for my enemies. The simple are often best snared by the simplistic. If you do know she is cheating, why don't you just flunk her? I have better things to do with my life. Consider this. A man who shoplifts once is a shoplifter always. However, the only time in which the merchant may prosecute is when the miscreant is captured red-handed outside the premises. Miss Lawler must be caught in the act. Can't somebody else do it? Of course. Bear in mind, though, that I have yet to fully consider your thesis. Wouldn't you agree that there are a great many pitfalls for the novice researcher? When I graduate, I am going to report you to the administration. Huh. 
you can certainly try. Once Patrick was gone, Kent would telephone me to set up his other sting operation that night at the frat house. How do you do? Kentwood speaking. It is of the utmost importance that you report to my office by 20 after the hour with disguise number 17. Uh, my apologies, sir, but you have so many disguises that I cannot remember them all. That disguise consists of the dreadlocked wig, the tie-dyed shirt in the shape of a T, the sandals, and the patchouli oil. Are you quite sure that you can be a truly convincing hippie? Even if you can, I'm not certain if this is an appropriate disguise for the year 1984. Rather than minding my business, it would serve you well to master your own impersonation. You are the least convincing pimp imaginable. Even were I not so repelled by human sexuality, I would avoid your wares, for you bear the unmistakable mark of the narc. My apologies, Eldridge. I will be over with the costumes. Disguises, Daniel. Costumes are what one dons at a party. You gotta be the worst pimp ever, letting that old man push you around. I should be flattered. The job requirements of a literature professor are nearly the opposite of those of a street pimp. Besides, I would prefer not to dress up in the first place. You can't even wear a feather boa right. Could you tell me what role the conventions of metafiction play in the novels of John Barth? Are you for real? I'm just showing you that there are whole worlds that you don't understand. Now, let's get pimping. Neither Kentwood, Patrick, Latasha, or myself were eager to crash this party, but crash it we all did. Patrick came first and met Layla Lawler. I am a busy man, Layla. Why don't I just give you the answers and I can take off? Why don't you just give me the answers and stick around? We talk about the test or anything else. If you actually want to study, I guess I can help you. No. Let's start with the answer sheet and see where things go from there. I'm very grateful for your help. Look, not that I care, but I feel obliged to tell you that this is actually cheating and that we shouldn't dignify it by calling it help. Now we can move on with our lives. I'm going to hang out with my friends, and you are, of course, invited. I'll forget about Kentwood, and you can forget about staying sober and keeping your shirt on. Did you thank me? Grazie, you guilt tripper. By the way, if you think that you hate Eldridge Kentwood, you should know that the only people who hate him more than his students are his graduate students and his fellow teachers. What's this I'm hearing about that most groovy and indefatigable master of deduction? Has he been hushing your buzz? Oh, for f**k's sake. Cool it. Do you hate hippies or something? I know this one. Chill out, space cowboy. Not everything on Spaceship Earth revolves around your person. I'm baking more than one batch of hash brownies. You dig? I did what you wanted, you saw it, and I'm out of here. Sign my damn thesis by the time I see you next week so I can get out of this clown show. Hey, hippie! Don't you know that it's the 1980s? The sands of time shift slowly in my commune of solipsicism. I think I can use you, Mr. Hippie. Want to be my date? In the meantime, I struggled with my own business transaction. Professor Kentwood's plan became apparent to me when I found out that our so-called client was University President Roy Grackle, or as Latasha called him, G-Money. I'm used to dealing with professionals. Of course you are, Mr. President. Stop calling me that. Unfortunately, I can't screw hookers for a living, so I'm not at work. 
very well, G-Money. Don't go to that extreme either. I honestly don't know what you're still doing in this room. Any pimp who knows this business would have took five by now and gone to buy crack cocaine with the money that I just paid to pleasure myself with your whore. That sounds incriminating. Or would be if this were being recorded. Hey pimp, your voice sounds familiar. Where do I know you from? Hey now, my dumbass pimp never talked rates. I get a hundred bucks an hour and the clock starts when we get a loan. I can't believe you forgot to bring up fees. Jesus! I know they say that pimping ain't easy, but it shouldn't be this hard for anybody. I'm very sorry, but I will learn. I will now take my leave. Exeunt pimp. Not a moment too soon. Why are we doing this in a crowded building anyway? Did he get anything else right? Fair enough. I was cast out into the noisy party in my stupid getup and was immediately plagued with more attention than I wanted. Took several minutes for Professor Kentwood to find me. Oh my god, it's a pimp! This is amazing. Do you know this hippie? His name is Lou, but I wish I met you first. The whole capitalist system hushes my buzz, my lady. At least Brother Pimp is transparent about his whoring. By the way, um, Lou, did you find what you wanted? Who among us ever achieves nirvana, man? Myself and the spheres are still discrete entities. As for tonight's investigation, I can answer in the affirmative. And what of you, my colorful friend? G-Money is busy, and I got the deal on tape. Ladies and gentlemen, let's announce the most hilarious couple of the night. Layla Lala and Hippie Lou. <laughs> Oh my god, we need to get up to the podium. Professor Kentwood? Why is he talking about Professor Kentwood? He must be tripping on the brown acid. Let's go. Every year at this ball, we give $100 to the man or woman who finds the most awkward date. Layla Lala, step up and collect your winnings. <laughs> I'm sorry for the humiliation, Hippie Lou, but at least somebody made money off of it. Hippie Lou, as the biggest freak of the night, you are invited to give a speech. (laughs) Well, well, well. This is quite an honor for a burnt-out fool who consumed too many bong water ice cream sodas in hot ashberry. But it bears repeating that the most dangerous of animals wear bright colors to advertise their presence. Drop the paint! <laughs> the rest of my speech is unworthy of you fools and I suppose anticlimactic. Good riddance, hepcats. Lady Layla! Hey, Hippie Pete! You need to go away now so I can hang out with my friends. Honestly, you must understand that it's not the 60s anymore. I'll give you five dollars because I feel bad even though I know you'll just buy booze or pot with it. My dear, the name is Hippie Lou, not Hippie Pete. But never mind, for neither of those are really my names. You have been entertaining the company of Dr. Eldridge Kentwood. And I saw you conspire to cheat. Get away from me, you freak. You're getting pain on me. I have no intention of touching you. 
Even if you do stand to learn that a little red paint never poisoned anyone. Don't tell anyone I ever talked to you outside class. I would rather my friends think I was hanging out with a filthy homeless hippie than Aldridge Kentwood. Very well. And I will see you in class. Hippie Lou, you've been besplodged. This mess is trifling compared to the aftermath of the case of the stolen abattoir. Now fetch me my ink pot and quill, Daniel. Yes, Professor Kentwood. Uh, They're in one of the folds of this ridiculous jacket. Kentwood prepared a note in his elegant hand, which our old friend G-Money was supposed to see under the door. Hey, G-Money. Looks like we got a message from the Founding Fathers. Only Eldridge Kentwood writes like that. He has beautiful handwriting. Yes, one of his many talents. Let's read the letter. I'd rather not. Here's how it will go. Blah, blah. Words I have to look up. Threats, blackmail, blah, blah. Hooray! It's over. I paid for an hour with you, and I will enjoy the whole hour before I read Dr. Kentwood's baloney. I should have known something was up with that so-called pimp. At the end of a long night, I finally dropped Kentwood off at the apartment where he lived in the days before he acquired the Victorian mansion he became known for. Why didn't we call the police? Was it because it would have been entrapment? That should be obvious, even for you. Please humor me. Why do we keep letting Dr. Grackle off the hook? Were I to remove him, most of his likely replacements are scarcely qualified to feed goldfish, and were he to be replaced, he or she would have a fresh start. At any moment, we could turn Grackle out of his cozy signature and cover him in shame. Every page of my dossier is another string to control him with. Through such means, a humble professor of political science can gradually control this entire institution without the tedium of administrating it. (laughs) This brings us to the present. Given what you know, you will surely understand how bad Eldridge and I felt when, after many years of service, President Grackle retired to great honors in 2003. There wasn't much he could make Professor Kentwood do. In addition to the six prostitution busts, Kentwood also had him pegged in the case of the missing Grant, the matter of the murdered mascot, two illegitimate children, the mystery of the missing mermaids, a shockingly inept Shakespeare forgery, a fraudulent nonprofit, widespread grade inflation, a bootlegging operation, facilitating an atmosphere of corruption in the athletics program, and most puzzlingly, a William Henry Ireland forgery. I'll be back with the story of how the good professor found his beloved pet in episode three of Kentwood. In that episode of Kentwood, Professor Eldridge Kentwood was Jacob Thompson, Dr. Daniel Sabago was Charles Berman, Natasha was Sarah Diaz, Layla Lawler was Cheryl Casey, Patrick Cranberry was Bailiff Quimby, Grackle was Jordan Randall, and the announcer was Mickey Weissner. Hello and welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Rory Sinjin. Did you know that on July 8th, 1918, Ernest Hemingway is severely wounded while carrying a companion to safety on the Austro-Italian front during World War I? Hemingway, working as a Red Cross ambulance driver, was decorated for his heroism and sent home. Well, this is going to be very dangerous for Papa Me. The floors are very wet in here, but I'm coming in to get you, Joe. I won't let you die in there. Oh, thank you, Ernest. I need you so bad. All right, I'm jumping. Whoa! 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 All right, all right. 
I'm okay. Are you alright? I'm okay. I've managed to stabilize myself. If you've fallen, you could have hurt yourself, and then where would we be? We'd be we'd be pretty screwed. We'd be up a creek. I'll write a story about that someday. But in the meantime, climb on my back. Okay, I'm getting ahead. you out of this slippery hell. Uh, Alright, whoa, 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 whoa. <sighs> Okay, it's only a little bit left. I'm sure it can't be as slippery as the rest of this was. So let's just run on out of here. Alright. Whoa! Hello, I've come to place this slippery when wet sign here. I just mop. If only you'd been here a few minutes earlier, Joe wouldn't have pierced my side. And of course, thus ended the life of Ernest Hemingway, um, who is not famous at all. I just thought I'd pick his name out of a hat. Make sure that when you save your friends or when you're just walking in a building, you're mindful of wet floors as they can be slippery and you can be hurt. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But the Joe also rises. My name's Roy Singer, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And no, it was not Ernest Hemingway, but his surviving friend Joe, who returned home days later to find a door in his home that he had never seen before. He opened the door and went inside and found a mysterious room, and a magical man sitting at a throne who said, Do me a favor, Joe, pick up that gun, would you? Point it at me, give it a click. While you do that, I'm going to do the same with this gun. It'll be a little fun. Ha ha, we'll see, maybe one of us will get shot. Joe had a little junk over to the gun, picked it up, swirled around on his heels, was about to click. But the floor was wet. It was, in fact, slippery when it was wet. So when Joe spun on his heels, he said, All right, here we go. Whoa! He fell, and his elbow smacked down against the floor and made the gun jostle in his hand, and it fired, and the bullet left the chamber and went into Joe's own head, and Bill said, Curse you, Joe! That was my time to die! You were supposed to defeat me, but the slippery floor thing, if only I had put up a sign saying slippery when wet in my own floor, because I just mopped right before you came in. Curse me, it was my own floor. And that is why you should always put slippery and wet signs up when you mop. My name is Roy Sinjin and this is Where Are They Now in History on Gas and Wax. Lessons from the life of Nathan Van Etten by Charles Bourbon, Pete Bowers and Daniel Schwartz. Season 2, Lesson 9, Seduction Scandalizes Nathan Van Etten. Obstacles to conquest are ever-present. With each new barrier, however, we will scale and grow stronger. Ignorant of such basic axioms is Nathan Van Etten. Oh, God, voice! Whoa! You are very loud in my head! My presence in your head is ubiquitous, Earth alien. Why do you persist in loitering outside your domicile? The door is locked, and I forgot my C-Lab 2020 keychain. A grave miscalculation. Have you considered knocking on the door? I would, but Jane is in there. I don't want it to be awkward. Awkwardness is the first step toward total victory. Strike the portal with your fist. Who is it? It's me, Jane. I'm locked. Out. Really? Then I guess it's finally time to sleep with your dad. What? I'd hope to set the mood a little more, but I guess it's better to take the chance when it comes. Hey, Mr. Van Etten. Jane! 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 Oh, she can't hear me, voice! I must get in there and stop whatever she's planning! 
Shea will cease her coitus if you utilize an alternate method of ingress. Move at once to the second story window. Good call. I'll use this ladder. Oh, come on. No good, it's locked too. And there's Jane in a towel! Oh, Mr. Van Atten, I'm not sure the water is warm enough for my shower. Will you test it for me? Don't do it, Dad! It's a trap! Hey, I always wanted to say that. Your sense of accomplishment is irrelevant to the task at hand. Move quickly to the bathroom window. Oh man, I need to move this ladder without getting down. Safety precautions would urge you to vacate the ladder before you relocate it. No time, voice. Things would get slightly awkward otherwise, and we can't have that. ants there are at my house. Exterminate them! I know how to get rid of ants, head robot. Now it's time to get rid of dead seduction. You have exhausted all options. You must perforce submit to their frantic copulations. What? And no! There's still a chance of forcing open the garage door. Then proceed with alacrity. Each moment brings them closer to the fruition of her sinister, sensual plans. No other choice. Uh, here goes. Oh, Mr. Van Etten. Here? In the garage? Your reckless abandon only implants me further. Got to get this open! Berserker Frenzy! I can't believe that that worked! Nathaniel, I'm not sure what's going on, but I need to move past you to pull the car into the garage. Dad! You were outside this whole time?! Why, yes, Nathaniel. You know I play Go at Madame Fong's. Please move. Oh, yeah, sure! You too, Jane. I wouldn't want to hurt you or dirty that lovely sundress. Oh, you like it? That is it! I am out of here! Very well. See you later, son. Take your time, Nathan. God! God is the crutch of an impotent species, too weak to save itself. Uh, Well, I have learned a lesson today, voice. Elaborate. Never test the water for someone else. It's all a dirty scheme. An astute but inane observation. It is therefore only a matter of time before you submit to another lesson from the life of Nathan Van Etten. 
In that lesson from the life of Nathan Van Etten, the voice was Charles Berman, Nathan was Mickey Weishner, Jane was Aaron Morrissey, and Nathan's dad was Daniel Schwartz. Thank you, Frank. And what we've got left for the show, uh, since it is so hot, I think we're just going to call it a day. Uh, Well, you know what? I'll pop back in at the end just to say hi by myself. But uh, we're going to call it a day. And uh, up next, we're going to have one of those waxwork one-on-ones. Frank's going to be recording later today, which is going to be you talking to who? Uh, Me talking to uh, Mr. My, my lawyer, Mr. Matthew Roma. Right. Matt, Matt Roma will be on the show. No, I'm sorry. Matthew Roma. Right, right, right. Matthew Roma. Matthew. Matthew Roma. That's your lawyer's name? Matthew Roma. Absolutely. You're going to be talking about... Yeah, yeah. I, I got I to gotta find out about this prenup. Okay. That sounds good. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's call it a day for now. And, um, you can, you can hop on and record with him later and I will, uh, bid everybody do after that. So here's waxwork one-on-one with Matthew Roma. All right. Well, uh, hello, uh, Mr. Mr. Roma. Thank you for coming. I, 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 I just, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to have you here. Well, I'm, um, pretty happy to be here. Good, good. Um, I don't know if you've heard what's happening with me, but I'm, um, Thinking about getting married. I, I don't want to get married to you. No, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not looking for someone to get married to. I already have someone. I, 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 I wanted you to come here because as my Be your lawyer. Best man. No, no, I. I mean, I don't know who my best man is going to be, but it's not going to be my lawyer. I need you to do law stuff with me. We got to, you know, talk about the law. Well, I, I can do that too. Because you're a lawyer. You're my yeah. Lawyer. I'm totally a lawyer. You're my lawyer. Yes, I'm your lawyer. And you've done family law. You're, you're experienced. Totally. Lots of experience. Okay. Family law, everything to do with laws, families, got it. You know everything to do with families? Everything you need. All right. Well, that doesn't matter. The, po- the point is, look, okay, I am marrying someone who is very rich. Good. Good I, for you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And so he... Ooh. No, it's not a... It's not a ooh. I mean... I guess well, it what's, is. What's the what's the right reaction there? I know who is right. It's just, but I, but I'm not. I mean, I'm not like that. But this guy, he's really rich. So you know how money, that makes him more attractive, right? To well, I mean, not sexually. I'm still not sexually attracted to him. It's like That's probably going to cause you problems down the road. Well, hopefully not that far down the road because he is. He's going to die. Most of us do. Yeah. No, he's going to die soon. Suppose like he's got. Doctors who are telling me he's almost dead, basically. Oh, I'm I'm really sorry. No, it's that. not a big deal because I just want the money. Look, it's um, it's like this. Uh, do you ever go to like a burger place and like? Yep, done that. Oh, well, there's more. Like you order a burger and they're like, "Yep, yeah, it's a burger platter. It comes with a burger and fries and a thing of coleslaw." And, and it's yeah, like, "Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not the vegetarian brother." Well, good, but I'm. I'm saying they go, "We're going to give you a burger and fries and some coleslaw." And it's like, well, "I don't like coleslaw." And they go, "Yeah, it just comes with it." And so they bring you a plate. It's got a burger, fries, and it's got this you know crappy, soggy coleslaw. And it's like, "Well, you gave me what I wanted, so fine." But there's just coleslaw there too. That's that's kind of the guy being there, and specifically the sex. Yeah, I love coleslaw. No, no, I, I'm saying I don't like coleslaw. That's weird. No, it is, it isn't weird. It uh, a lot of people don't. I'm saying okay. Do you like you like burgers? You said you're not a vegetarian, right? N- no way. Okay, so you like burgers? Oh yeah. And you like eat them all the time? Do you like fries? Yep, goes with burgers real good. Well, I agree. But then you also like coleslaw. Do you like tomatoes? Oh yeah, put them on the burger. Lettuce? Oh yeah, it's but, crunchy. Lettuce, put it on the burger. Good. Okay. Um, cheese. Oh. You don't like cheese? No. You don't like cheese? No. Well, that doesn't... I mean, they don't usually make you get cheese, though. Who the hell would make me get cheese? There's people that's allergic to cheese. All right, all right. What about pickles? You like pickles? 
No. Okay, there, that's perfect then, because you'll get a, a burger, a, a hamburger, apparently, with fries and coleslaw, and you like What's all that. What's weird about a hamburger? It's called a hamburger. The well, meat is hamburger meat. There's no ham, is the weird thing. But also, what I'm saying is- Because it's from Hamburg. A, a, a cheeseburger doesn't come from cheeseburg. That goes against your own point. Well, it kind of does. Okay, so you get your hamburger, you get your fries, you get your coleslaw, but then sitting there on the side is a, a, a pickle wedge. Right. This is an interesting story. No, I'm saying that's something that happens. Like that's happened to you, right? Yes. And so yes. you get the platter anyway because you want most of the platter, but they just give you the pickle, and you're like, "What is? It? What am I going to do with this pickle?" That's how I feel about the old guy. I'm well, not usually that puzzled. I usually just see if anybody else wants a, a pickle. Well, I nobody. I do not want this guy's pickle. I just want the money, and the money is the the main course. Right. So anyway, right. look. He he gave, he sent me this prenup. And I want you to take a look at it and, um, you know, tell me what I should do. Should I sign it? You know? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a prenup there. Yeah, but what, like, what is it? You're a lawyer. I'm, I don't know. Like, this stuff about the first part of the, I don't know what it means. You have to tell me it and give me advice. Uh, all right. Let's go here. Uh, yeah. Says so you're going to get married. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. You get to pick what kind of ceremony, what kind of priest, everything. Uh, okay. I mean, large public ceremony. Um, no divorce ever. Wait, well, wait, hold on. What? No divorce ever. What do you mean, no divorce ever? Well, you know what a divorce is, right? Yeah. You can't have one. What? Or what? At all. No, or what? No, or nothing. You just can't have one. Well, that's that's stupid. If I say to you, you there's you cannot eat this cookie, and you go, wow, watch this, and you eat the cookie, I did You're I just wrong. break yeah, I, reality? You, what happened? You didn't break reality. You were just wrong. I could eat the cookie. All right. So how can you say in a in a contract you can't have a divorce ever? It's like, well- I could. Yeah, but if you sign it, then the law says you can't do it, so then the law won't legally divorce you. Yeah, but, okay, so let's say you and I are in my kitchen over there, and I say, here's a cookie. Yeah. Let's sign a contract saying right. you cannot eat this cookie. Right. And then you eat the cookie. Now, we didn't put any provisions for you not eating the cookie. We just said you can't. So you can go, well, or what? I already ate it, so, and then I have nothing I can say. Yeah, but a divorce isn't something you can just do, like eating a cookie. A divorce, the law has to do. Yeah, but what I'm saying, okay, what I'm saying is this. Uh, uh, it doesn't say, for example, if I divorce him, I don't get any of his money. doesn't say that. No, because it doesn't say anything. It says I it can't. It assumes you're not going to get divorced because it says you can't. Right. So if I do divorce him. You'd probably only get half the money. But that's still a lot of money. Well, a half of a lot is about half of a lot. It's. Kind of, I think it's more like one of those infinities, like half of infinity is still infinity. Well, yep, I doubt he has infinity money, but yeah. Yeah, but if it's big enough, it's close. Okay, it's fine. Uh, so, all, so really, if I... If I go into this going, hey, look, we're all good. Uh, nobody's going to divorce anybody. I do, you know, whatever. I do marry you, etc. cetera. Uh, and then I go, oh, by the way, it turns out I was wrong before when I said I'm not going to divorce you. I am going to divorce you. And I know you said I can't, but watch this. I just did. Then the judge goes with it and everything. Yeah. And then you get probably half instead of all the money when you could have just waited for him to die. That sounds pretty foolproof. If you want to lose half your money, yeah. So, but, so you think I should wait? That's your legal advice? Hey, it's your marriage. Right. But, okay. Well, okay. Well, what does it say happens if he dies? You're the next of kin. You get all the money. I get all the money. Yeah. When he unless dies. you break this thing here. I'm sorry. Unless I what? Break that thing there where it says if he's dissatisfied with the marriage or if you break the contract. Wait, wait, what? What? Hold on. Wait. So there's a satisfaction guarantee. Yeah. So we have to both be happy with the marriage in order for it to go through. No. What do you he mean? He has to be happy with the marriage. Just him. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. So you're saying. 
if he's not happy, yeah. then I lose everything. It says if he's not happy with the marriage, then all his money is given to charity. What? While he's alive? Yeah. And he lives in destitute? Yep. He probably gets a social security check if he's that old. Well, I mean, he is pretty old, so I'm sure he does. Uh, who, who, so what charity does he give all the money to? Uh, let's... Cash allocation for Cheryl's kidnapping. What? I, that, I, I run that charity. That's my charity. You do? I mean, I, I mean, I did. I, I, I don't think Cheryl's kidnapped anymore. I think she, she was like, she was never really kidnapped. She was you, having an affair with Charles Berman. You don't think she's kidnapped? And I, you were running the charity? I've seen her since then. I didn't, I mean, I didn't run it that closely. I just kind of offhandedly counted the money. That doesn't sound like how you're supposed to legally run a charity. I, it wasn't wasn't a legal charity. We actually got a we got an email about that. Uh, uh, somebody saying, "Oh, you can't run these charities without." I mean, but it wasn't a charity. It wasn't like a charity in the. It's a legal charity. You can write it off on your taxes, kind of sense. It was, you know, just in the like the Not layman's. A well, yeah, like a like a, like it was charity in the layman sense. Like if I'm like. Hey, can you spot me $5? You know, it would be like as though you were doing charity to me because I'm poor and I need the money. But it's but it's not legally tax deductible. Yeah, I don't think that would count on a contract like a prenup as a charity. But that's you, what you'd it, have to you'd have to tell him that he shouldn't give the money to this charity that you run. Why? You should give it to a real cuz otherwise then um he gives money to this organization that doesn't legally exist as a charity and Well, just, I mean if, if, is it just because Cheryl's not kidnapped cuz there's probably some other Cheryl who's been kidnapped I could find. Spelled like that? Well, it's a weird spelling, but or we could you know, see to it that she's. Uh, I don't want to go. That's probably not. A, let's not. Say, let's not say that yet. Let's not go that far. But my point let's is, go, go. How far? As to well, I don't want to go that far. But look, all I'm saying is this: if my charity, let's say my charity exists, because it does, but not legally. But let's say it's an organization that's not a legal charity, but it's someone who accepts money when you give them. Because who doesn't? So let's say I get married to him. Uh -huh. He says, I'm not happy with this marriage. I'm giving all my money to the char charity with the Cheryl thing. Right. And I go, cool, that's me. And I take the money and I walk. How is that legally? Pretty fishy. Why, wait, hold on. Fishy? Why? Well, first of all, you're setting up a charity just to take the money that he's trying to give to charity uh, the instead of giving to you. No, the charity existed years before I ever heard he existed. I, I don't even know how he found out about this charity. Does he listen to the podcast? Yeah. Did you mention it on the podcast? Yeah. But I mean, we also mentioned that Cheryl's fine. How far has he gotten? I don't know. That's a good question. That's probably the, the answer to that. All right. Well, fine. But again, I can deal with that. We can find another Cheryl. That's not a problem. Well, you, you have to get it registered with CASC. We are, we are CASC. We, we, are, we totally acknowledge that. But you are CASC? Yeah. The, uh, the charitable allocation or cash allocation. It doesn't say charitable, by the way. It says cash. Cash allocation for Cheryl's kidnapping. Oh, no. You need to get cash registered with cask we have to give cash to cask you got to get the papers filled out what papers with the uh charitable association serving kindliness oh yeah they're, they're the ones who wrote into us that sounds like a scam look i it doesn't say it's a charitable tax deductible donation all we're saying is we take cash and we allocate it for cheryl's kidnapping we don't even say whether we are trying to uh, pay a ransom or, or pay to kidnap her. So for, oh, I could just say, I'm, I'm going to take the money and plan a kidnapping for Cheryl. Like, oh, there's all sorts of loopholes. That would be saying. a terrible fun. But wait a minute. You're not, it's not a legal organization? It's not a legal charitable organization. Is it a legal organization at all? Is it a DBA corporation? Uh, no. Then you can't leave money to it. Well, why not? Because it's not, it's a, it's not a legal entity. You can't, like, you can't leave money to a cloud. It's not a legal 
oh. organization. Well, what if, um, well, what, how do I get around this? Well, they got to rewrite the prenup. Or you, <laughs> you know, form a legal organization that's called that. How much does that cost? Well, depends if it's, it's got to be a charity, so you've got to go through CASC. All right, let me ask you, does it cost a lot of money? Eh, not too much. Give me a order of magnitude. It's going to cost you $112. Oh, I don't have that. Oh. Look, okay, wait. Wait a minute. I, wait got, a minute. I've got a, wait a minute. Yeah, what? How are you paying my lawyer bill? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Um, but actually, now that you mention it, I can pay it the same way I pay your lawyer bill. Um, so... You know how you bill by the hour? Yes. And I don't get billed, though. Like, you can't physically hand me the bill until we're done with the session, right? Right. I want you to start the session now, and we will wrap it after I'm married at my wedding. Just, you know, it'll be, and you can bill me for all the hours between now and then. That's good with me as long as I get paid. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, like, at the, so just come to my wedding. You're invited. Right. Oh, yeah. thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't ex- expecting to be the best man. No, you're not the be- <sighs> I didn't say you were the best man. I just said you're invited. No, no, no. I just said I, I wasn't expecting, so I'm not not that offended. But I'm 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 glad I'm invited. Okay, but you're invited, and then when I'm married, I can give you a signal that is like, oh, that's the end of our session. Everything's fine. Uh and that's when the, you can. The signal is a check. Well, no, because you have to tell me how much it is first. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll give you like a wink, like a like a wink and a point at the same time, like a like this. Right. Okay. okay. And uh, that's when you can drop the papers. But but here's the deal. After I get married, also drop the papers for the legal organization, and then I can get access to the $112. Well, the thing is, you can't you can't sign the prenup till it's a legal organization. Why can't I sign the prenup? Because it it, it, it it doesn't have a legal charity on it. It says it's supposed to go to this charity that doesn't exist. That's not my problem. He wrote it. He's going to sign it. You're asking me if it's legal. But he's going to sign it too, isn't he? He's got to sign it too. Yep. So we're both going to sign it. I, we'll both go to the wedding. I'll say I do. You type up the papers real quick in your chair. File them. You, if you gotta, invite the woman from Cask so she can do the paperwork right next to you. And then uh, give her the money. Add it onto my bill. I'll give you the wink and the point. Drop the thing, and then I'll you know f- find a way to you know however his checks or whatever work. I'll give you the money. Yeah, pretty sure that if uh, it actually happened, they'd end up looking at the dates of formation or something on the on the papers on the charity you can't can't really get around it yeah but i didn't again i didn't put the name of the charity on there he did so that's his mistake not mine yeah so would invalidate i corrected his mistake by making the 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 the, the contract true after the fact nope got to be real <sighs> well can you just float me the money and i'll just add it on Oh, no, man, didn't didn't bring any cash. You don't have to have the cash on you. You could do it when you get home. Yeah, I don't I don't advance people. Money. Oh, come on. Even a big, big, what do they call them? High roller, like me. Like I'm going to be. You're not a high roller. You don't have $112. I'm, a, I'm on the way, though. That's why we're going to start this session. And how much are you by the hour? I'll be about uh, 200 an hour. Oh, well, okay. Then, I'm look, I'm not going to get married this, you know, week. So... That's already like a zillion dollars. I, so you see what I'm saying? I'm a high roller for you. I'm going to be a cash cow, like a milk source. Well, let, let me ask you, um, is uh, this show, is this going on the uh, on the radio or on the internet or anything? Well, yeah, but this is covered by lawyer lawyer customer privilege. Yeah, but like people can hear the, the show. Yeah, but they can't act on it because of lo- lawyer client privilege. No, that means I can't tell them. If they happen to be hearing the the radio show that we're on while we have the consultation, that that doesn't count. What? No, that's 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 outrageous. I, I, there's a, the whole thing is anything discussed between a client and the lawyer 
is protected. From the lawyer telling people about it, not from, from people hearing it on the, on the radio if it's already being played. What's the difference? Well, in one, in one the lawyer tells somebody about it, and the other one, the, the client records it and puts it on a podcast. Yeah, but I, well, all I'm saying is if I, if it should be like, you know, it, it should be inadmissible because it's like, well, look, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to my lawyer. So, I mean, that's not fair. Like, what if somebody just put a bug in, in the room where the lawyer was? Yeah, that that would be different than, like, the client putting it on a, on a podcast. It shouldn't be any different. It's a recording. Yeah, but but it is. So, all, you're saying all these things that I'm saying are, are going to be admissible? Yeah. Well, then I take, I, I was only joking. Oh, okay. Well, that then, yeah, that's funny then. So speaking of which, this is, I got a whole bunch more jokes to go over. All right. Well, so let's get back to the joke about the, the prenup. Uh, that was a good one, yeah. Well, I'm glad it gave you a laugh. So where, where were we? What, what part were we at? Oh, we were at the part where – with the, the charity. Okay, well, let's put the charity aside for a minute, and I'll figure something out. Maybe I can borrow the money from someone else. But the point is, if, if I – let's say I sort the charity. Yep. It's a legal organization. Yeah. Registered. Yeah. Charitable. I marry him. Yeah. I marry him. He goes, let's have sex. I go, no. He goes, well, I'm not satisfied. Therefore, all my money gets dumped into this charitable organization. I go, cool. That's the one I run. Awesome. If it's the charity that you run. Now, they they might think it's kind of fishy for you to start a charity with the same name as the one on his thing just so you can take his money. Well, I didn't. But that's who who cares if it was as long as he signs it after I start the charity. Yeah, the the judge might might care. But clearly I started this organization before he wrote it down. I've got proof of that. It's on the podcast. We just said the podcast is admissible evidence when it's not jokes like this is. This is a joke, by the way. Yeah, it's it's a comedy podcast. Yeah, but uh, you 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 said it wasn't a legal organization. It's just you taking people's money. Right, but I did that. I started that organization. He goes, okay, I, that's yeah, clear, but clearly it wasn't an organization. Well, I, I understand that, but he thought it was, so he wrote it down with the understanding that it was. So. On the layer of understanding, it's all legal. If that's what you count as legal, then yeah. Ah, so what about that? That's fine. It's just like not what the judge will. Well, so you're saying he's not going to be understanding it? No, he's going to probably go with thinking that you're trying to deceive him. (sighs) I don't even understand why he's going to give all of his money to charity when he's unhappy either. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Sounds like that's so you don't get it. Yeah, but I'm going to get it. It's my charitable organization. I don't think he knows that. He's probably trying to give it to some other charity. All right. Well, let me ask you this, because you're a lawyer. Yeah, I am. Totally a lawyer. Uh, Legally, this is just like the divorce thing, where you said, I can't get divorced, and I go, but what if I did? So this is the same thing. This this contract says, if he's unsatisfied, it goes to this charity. And well, there is no charity, so it can't go to that charity. So it's not going to follow the contract. So then I can just take it. That's not how it works. It's like a, it's like a, I don't really follow sports, right? Yeah. But like, if you're playing basketball and somebody shoots the basket because they're like i'm going to shoot the basketball of this money into the basket of that charity and then when it gets there it doesn't go in and so then it's a it's a it's like a it's up for grabs then i just jump up and i grab it then it's mine i can take the ball and leave yeah i don't think it works like a basketball metaphor well then what you gotta explain it to me you're the lawyer he has to for this to work he has to give it to a real charity you gotta actually change the agreement but the charity isn't real that's why you got to change the agreement. What if I just sign it right now? Then it's it's invalid. Oh wait, hold on. Uh, so speaking of funny jokes, yeah. If uh, a guy walks into a bar, uh, meets his lawyer, says, "I got a contract here. It's a prenup." Yeah. Uh, lawyer, lawyer, and him go back and forth explaining what everything in the prenup is. Yeah. 
And they get to a part about a charitable thing, and he goes, well, that's not a real charity. And then the guy says to the lawyer, well, hang on, if that invalidates the contract, what if I just sign it? And then he signs it, and then we get married. And then, turns out, oh, it's not valid. Oh, yeah, then it uh, doesn't count. Contract doesn't count. It's just like marriage law. Then it's just regular marriage law. Yep. And that's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, that would only count if like there hadn't also been like something telling the other person that wrote the the contract, the prenup that that it wasn't good like if he heard it on the internet or something. Well, why why would that happen? Just to make the joke funnier. Well, I don't think I let's not that's not a joke I like. Oh, and then he got a pie in his face. All right, it's getting funnier. And then there was a cheap Scottish guy. What? Cuz you know, they're really cheap. Okay, that's like racist humor. I don't we don't need to do that. Look, what, what, what I'm saying is the guy in the joke just signs it. His partner just signs it. They get married. Then all of a sudden, any uh, clauses about no divorce, any clauses about satisfaction, they go out the window. Yep. That, that sounds, would happen in the joke. That sounds good. It's a funny joke. Sounds like a good punchline. Yep. Sure is. All right. Punchline. Yep. So, and that's your legal opinion? No, that's a joke. Oh, so what's your legal opinion on the joke? That's a legal joke. Right. But what I'm saying is, okay, uh, what if you were the lawyer in the joke? What would you say to the guy in the joke? I would say if you signed a non-legal contract, it totally doesn't count. Yeah, but I know that. Isn't that a good thing? Yes. Cool. So we're good here, says the guy we're in the joke. We're great. To the lawyer in the joke. Okay. The lawyer says, we're great. You should buy me a drink. Well, we're not in a bar. Yeah, well, that's in the joke. I've got some milk. That's better than nothing. I'm thirsty. All right. Give me a sec. All right, here you go. Thanks. Oh, wow, that's fast. That was all my milk. Uh, I'm thirsty. All right, well, okay, fine. So, uh, for the rest of this, until I otherwise say so, okay, rather than being you and me, we're going to play act as the guys from that joke. All right. So, I'm the guy in the joke, and you're the lawyer in the joke. All right. I don't want to change it up and do the other way. All right. All right. So, okay, lawyer, let's call- That's me here in a bar. Let's call you Matt. Matthew. Let's call you Matthew. Yeah. Yep. That's the lawyer's name. Matthew, um, is there anything else now I we we're all, all we're all understood about this whole signing it and then letting it be invalidated thing. We're all understood. You sure are, yeah. Wink, finger on the nose, kind yeah. of a, okay. But is there anything else in this contract which is pretty similar to the one that Frank is talking about in real life? Yeah. Uh is there anything else in there he should know I should know about? So it doesn't bite me on the ass. If this remains the contract, then no, because none of it counts, because that's not a real charity. Okay. Are you confident that's going to work? Look, I'm totally a lawyer. I'm pretty confident. Okay. So there's no other weird things that jump out at you as a lawyer that you're like, well, this is a weird part here, though. I mean, it's all pretty It's all pretty weird. Like, it's this one, you must have gay sex every night. I mean, what? Like, the, you must have gay sex every night. Me? Wild gay sex every night. Yeah. The, you both must. The... Oh, so like the undersigned agreed to have like that kind of right. a situation? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, does it say with each other? No. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So I'm I'm working with this. I'm working with this. So theoretically, the guy in the joke, me, yeah, could not have gay sex with his husband. Say, husband, I understand that you're gay and you want to have gay sex, and we have a contract that says we want to have gay sex every night. We're going to have gay sex every night. And again, d- well, actually, before I even did it say or what. Well, then you're breaking, he's not satisfied, and you're breaking the terms, and then 
all his money goes to charity. Right, all that stuff. Well, which doesn't exist. Okay. Or yeah, so then it would either just like be invalidated or the judge would come up with a different charity or something. Well, wait, what? What? Hold on, what? When, where did that I, possibility come from? Oh, I just made it up. Well, I don't like... That's, that's, that's totally unsatisfactory. Oh, well, then it, then it, it wouldn't happen. Because it's unsatisfactory, it wouldn't happen? You're not satisfied, I'll change it. No, what? That's the, but is that how reality works? Because I'd be thrilled if it was. Well, this is how the joke works. But in the joke, they're not in the joke. It's gotta depend on the judge. If he, if he wants to stick you, he'll come up with a different charity. If he, if he's going by the, the letter of the law, it'll just be invalid. Well, of course he's gonna stick me if I'm trying to steal the guy's money. Are you, you're sure you wanna put this on the, on the podcast? That was the guy in the joke talking. That wasn't me. All right. The guy in the joke. That makes sense. All right, look. Oh, this is terrible. So you're saying there's a good possibility then that all of this, the, 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 it'll go, we're going to give it to the Cheryl thing and I'm going to go, cool, that's me. And they'll give it and they'll go, well, hold on, that's not you. What do you mean it's you? And I'll go, well, that's me. And I set up an organization and they're going to go, well, that's not cool. And you're not allowed to do that. That's a scam. We're going to give it to a different organization. Yeah, that might happen. <sighs> Just thought of that, actually. So... So then my sex thing is pointless. I was going to say that I could say I don't want to have People sex People usually do it for fun. No, I know, but I don't want to have sex. I, don't, I Remember, the sex is the pickle. I'm saying I don't want to have sex with this guy. So couldn't I say, uh, as per the contract, we have to have gay sex, but it doesn't say with each other. So I'm going to have wild gay sex with someone else, and then I'll pay somebody else to say that we had gay sex, even though we didn't have gay sex. I'll say, look, look, I've given them some of them lots of money that we have. And they're going to, but you're saying he's going to then say, I'm unsatisfied. And then it's going to go to a charity that I don't even care about. Yeah, it's actually, that's probably what would happen. And he's going to be destitute. Yeah. On social security. Yeah. Well, I mean, the good side being, if he does this, it's kind of a mutually assured destruction, right? Like he won't yeah, want that. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, he's about to die though, so he probably wouldn't care. That's true. Wait, but if he's about to die, why don't I just stick it out, you know? I don't know. That's probably the best plan. All right. Can you tell me this? Legally, how long ca can he live? As long as he wants. No, I mean, like, there's got to be, like, a an amount that is, like, that counts as a lifetime. Like, if somebody wins a lifetime supply, right? Like, I have a friend, uh, Scape, who ha won a lifetime supply of rice pudding. Now, I'm sure they're not just going to keep sending him rice pudding until he dies. They, I mean, they must have a certain amount. They go, well, this is how much a lifetime is. Well, that's a lifetime supply. He just keeps getting it. No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Corporations, they set a lifetime. They say, this is this is what counts as a lifetime. Yeah, lifetime means means how old you are, how long you live. Right. So I'm saying, what's the maximum? Forever, as long as you're alive. No, but I'm like legally. I'm not talking about literal because I know there's again, like we were talking about, there's a difference between legal and practical, right? So practically, you're alive as long as you're alive. Yeah, but I mean, if it's written in the contract that you have to die at a certain point, is there any way we could get that into the prenup? That's something that just says like. For the rest of his life or two days, whichever comes first. Yeah, I don't think he would sign that. Cock. Okay, well, like, what do you... I mean, do you have any insight? I mean, you don't know him. I mean, like, what? how much... What do you think is a better bid? You're probably just going to have to wait till he dies. Oh, God damn it. All right. Do you... Do you, I mean, is there anything I can, is there anything I can do to, to, to fix this? I mean, okay. What if we, uh, can, can I, can we alter this thing? Can we, like, before I sign it, can I cross out my name and put somebody else, somebody else's name? Or like the part where it says that he has to be satisfied, where I say, like, but also I have to be satisfied too? Yeah, I think that's called negotiating it. All right. Well, can I do that? Yeah. You, you tell him you want to negotiate it. No, I mean, can we just do that here? Can we just write it on? No. Wow. Wait, I got an idea. What if you, since I've already hired you for all hours, yeah, could you just like retype it, but with the stuff I want in it too? 
and then I'll sign that and send it back. And it'll look the same because you retyped it. I mean, he's probably got really expensive lawyers. You're pretty expensive. Don't be hard I on mean, yourself. No, I mean, I, I choose how expensive I am. Like, I, I set that price. Well, you could probably set yourself a lot higher, but I'm glad you didn't. You already said 200 That's where we're at. But, I mean, he's probably got better lawyers than me. Oh. Like, that studied hard in law school. and Well, I'm paying you for every hour, so when we're done, start studying. But first, can you just type, again, just type it up. If you make it look the same, like, they're not going to read every word, are they? Yeah. You weren't going to read every word until I told you, like, read a little bit more. Because I didn't know you had a a prenup here. I gave it to you. Well, then, yeah, I mean, I was going to get to it. (sighs) Look, well, what's the worst that could happen? You type it up, I send it to them, they say no. That's the worst that could happen, yeah. That's not that bad. And then he doesn't want to marry you because you've changed his contract fraudulently. It's already fraudulent. Yep. He doesn't know that. I'm so I'm trying to fix it so it's better. Yeah, he probably wouldn't. He wouldn't want to marry you for fixing it better. Look, it's up to him. I mean, I'm just Ugh. I'm just saying. It's just a guess. So, what's your legal advice? Just sign it. You probably just want to stick it out. My pen and sign it. That's the only thing you should stick out right now. But oh, God. all right, well, can I do a, like a PS? I mean, you 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 might want to negotiate it too, and then you know make suggestions and see if he'll agree. That's how they normally do it. Well, like I I mean, I, what I just want to do is just sign it and then be like PS. I have to like it, too. Yeah, normally that doesn't work. Normally. Sometimes it does. Normally is it always. That's not the definition of normally. If, like, I always go to the store every day, I still normally go to the store. You go to the store every day? Like, if. Do you? No, I don't have that much stuff to, to buy. So you normally go to the store? Normally, I go The way week. a normal person does. I do it the same way as a normal person. Right. That's the same thing as the contract. So if I just put P.S., I have to like it to I, Frank Allen, party of the first. Then there's a really small chance that it'll work, but probably not. What if you sign it, too? Still really small. Okay, but can I? Okay. Come on, there's got to be something I can do, ma'am. You're my lawyer. Help me out. Well, you could plot to have him murdered. Right. I mean, are you looking for legal or not? Uh, we're in the joke, right? Sure. Then, you know, let, I'm, I'm open to possibilities. Hitman. Hit, hit hit, you want me to hit him? No, you, you hire an assassin. Oh, do you know any in the joke? Well, yeah, I'm a lawyer. I deal with these things all the time. What? I, yeah, I'm a lawyer. I deal with these things all the time. I, I mean, I heard you. I was surprised at the content of your message. How do you deal with these things all the time? Because people are like, oh, I'm an assassin. They got me. I need a lawyer. And then I'm like, I'm a lawyer. Oh. Okay. So you've gotten an assassin off of murder charges before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, what, what are, I mean, how much do they cost? Oh, I mean, that varies how competent they are. They're usually a lot of money. Well, I mean, that's fine. I'm going to have a lot of money. Like $15,000. Oh, that's nothing. I'm going to probably pay you twice that. Oh, well, cool. All right, then, yeah. So, okay, now here's my question, legally. Yeah. Okay, no, obviously it's not legal for me to do this, but legally... Uh, if I have him killed, does that count as him being dissatisfied? It depends if he left a message before he died, like, oh, I'm dying, I'm so dissatisfied. Ah, well, why would he... Okay, well, can we make sure... Which he's kind of doing, considering he's dying right now. Well, he's not dissatisfied right now. Well, but he's, he's dying. All right, let's just bottom line this whole thing. There's a lot of possibilities here. So here's what I'm thinking. Cover our bases. I'll borrow $112 from someone. I'll set up the legal organization. You'll continue being my lawyer. You can, I guess you don't got to type anything up, but definitely study. Yeah. 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 That's what I'm hiring you to do. Yeah. It's like a betterment program. And then we'll get married. Not you and me. Okay. Yeah. 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 Me and him. And I'll give you the wink and the point. 
And that's going to be a double symbol now. Okay. First symbol is drop the bill. Second, also, at the same time, simultaneous, initiate Hitman thing. That that makes sense, yeah. Can you do that? I could do that, yeah. So you're going to call the Hitman. In the joke. In the joke. And say, I got a joke for you. Kill this old guy. He's dying anyway. It's not like he's going to... Not that much to miss. Uh, preferably before he has sex with his husband. Yeah, in the joke, I would be able to do that. In real life, I totally can't. But, you know, in the joke. Wait, you totally can't because we're getting recorded. Also, that, that's murder. Right. That is murder. But we're talking about in the joke. That's probably murder in the joke, too. It is. But you're okay with it in the joke. In the joke, I'm okay with it. And in real life? Real life, no way. What, I mean, well, when you say no way, you mean because we're being recorded. And, it, and it's murder. Right, but it's also, but it, you're, but it's murder because we're being recorded. You got to deal with the hitman yourself if you're doing a hitman. How am I going to contact a hitman? I, in the joke. I give you the number for the hitman. In the joke. That's, a, that's about it. I'm not, you're not, I'm not doing the hitman thing. You won't do, I can't do the signal. No, I'm not hitting anybody. I'm not, I'm not doing the hitman thing. I, I give you the number. No, I'm not saying I do the signal and you shoot him. No, I mean, I'm not going I'm to, not, I'm not any part of this apart from giving you the hitman number. But you're, you're going to give me the number for a hitman. Well, somebody who I got off for being a hitman, so officially not a hitman. Well, then how do I know he's quality? You don't. <sighs> There's so much up in the air in this. Eh, well, sometimes that's the way it is. There's so much risk. Yeah, it's, it's true. You, sometimes you got to risk to get reward. I, I just want a lot of money. You know, Rory had a lot of money. He didn't have to work. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, at the end there, he had to work a lot. Maybe you should come up with some scam, like extra history. I guess. Well, I mean, this is a scam. I got a scam going. Let's just marry this guy. He's the scam. In the joke. All right. All right. So I'm just going to sign it. Let's do this. All right. Here, here's, a, here's a pen. Thank you. There you go. Do you need to notarize it? I'm not a notary. Do I? Now I got to go to a notary? You're, you're good. It just needs a witness. All right. So then you sign it. Here. Here. Uh, All right. Okay. Now I guess I'm going to leave this bar. Uh, that was hilarious. That was a good joke. Uh, oh, it was, a, it was double meaning because of the bar and the lawyer. Oh, you're you're not a lawyer, though, right? No, no. You, I mean, I was playing the client. You were playing the lawyer. But he said yeah, a bar, yeah. and a bar is okay, the yeah, yeah. lawyer's pass. That was almost another joke there, yeah. So it was all the one joke. Okay, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you for hearing my jokes. Anytime. It was uh, just about as funny as usual. Ah. Uh, hmm. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. See you later. Bye bye. <laughs> okay. Well, that was something else. Hopefully, you all enjoyed that. Thank you so much for listening to Cast in Wax. Write into us at castinwax at gmail.com and we will respond to your letters in kind. Um, well, not in kind. We'll respond to them out loud on the podcast. Uh, hopefully everybody will have a good day. Uh, here's a quick ukulele cover that I recorded sometime in the past. I'm not sure which one yet. <laughs> hopefully it'll be awesome. And maybe it'll even be thematically appropriate. Let's find out. Until then, I will be seeing you. I'm going out again tonight First time in the longest time He holds the door and holds my hand But doesn't feel like you We laugh at all the people In the restaurant across from us He talks a lot, but not too
much and doesn't sound like you. It's all because of you that I'm through. It's all because of you that I'm through. I know there'll come a day again when everything will fit right in and I won't have to see your face and strangers on the street. But I would rather feel this thing than never to have felt a thing. I'll always know you were the one to sweep me from the ground. It's all because of you that I'm through. It's all because of you that I'm through. It's all.